we try very hard as a group of developers to document, document, document. Whether it's an individual component we've built, all the details from you know all the data it takes to make it work, or if there are any certain peculiarities about the project, we have lots of readme files throughout our code base so that anybody new coming in can spend some time in addition to you know actually talking to the developers to get information. But it's good to have that paper trail because even the folks who work on big projects like this, we sometimes forget why we chose to do things the way we did. Hello and welcome to We Make the Internet. My name is Steve Hirsch. I'm the Director of Technical Marketing here at Pantheon, the platform for extraordinary websites. And extraordinary websites are made by extraordinary teams, often undertaking extraordinary efforts. And today we're talking about one such effort. One of our agency partners, If Then, recently executed a complex project for WABE, a public broadcasting outlet in Atlanta. And thinking back to my own career in the agency space, often working on these kinds of projects, I could see that this project must have been a tough one. Not just the technical work of modernizing the web presence of a decades-old multimedia institution, but also the strategy work to set up long-term success. Joining me to talk about those two sides, the strategy and the technical challenges, I'm happy to welcome Dave Rickett, Senior Vice President of Strategy at If Then. He focuses on strategy, user experience, and design. His career in the digital world began with the launch of CNN.com in 1995. And we also have Matt McFarland, the lead full-stack developer who oversaw the WABE project for If Then. Dave and Matt, welcome to We Make the Internet. Hello, thank you so much for having us. Hello, great to be here. Dave, Matt, we're so happy to have you here. So I feel like at the beginning, at the top here, for you, Dave and Matt, and for those listening, I should disclose some of my uh, top secret agenda with this podcast episode idea. Part of what made the story of the WABE project jump out to me was that it resonated with my own experience in the agency space, working on important client websites one at a time. And that's a game that I haven't been in for a while myself. But in the decade or so that I worked in that world, I felt like I got a pretty good handle on it. A good handle, perhaps minus two critical parts, the beginning of projects and the end of projects. So that's where I need a refresher because I've been out of the game for a while. I think that part of what could be valuable for those listening who may see before themselves a project that feels so complex, they may not even be sure where to begin. So we'll talk about the beginnings of these kinds of complex projects and how you can complete them, get them to a point where they feel done for some definition of done, and making a transition to a mode of ongoing improvement that recognizes the need for professional websites to continually evolve. It'll take us, I think, the whole episode to unpack those ideas in detail. But let's begin at the beginning. Dave, I think you've got some shared professional history with the team at WABE. How did the conversation around this project start for you with the If Then team and the team at WABE? Yeah, so our main point of contact is the chief content officer at WABE. And I actually met him back in 1995 working on CNN.com. He was the kind of editor-in-chief of the site. So I've known him for quite a while. We worked together at an agency that we had formed with a group of people for 16 years. And then we went on together to work at If Then. And then he left If Then a couple of years ago and went on to work at PBA, which owns WABE. He brought us in maybe a year after he moved over because he recognized kind of 
the issues that they were having with their site and really wanted to improve it. And they also had an opportunity because they were looking to combine both a radio and television brand. So we just started kind of through a discovery process, uncovering what the current state of the site was. And then we were able to kind of put something together that worked for them. So you mentioned at least one other acronym and initialism there. Yeah. Well, without, <laughs> without going through the whole org chart of these public broadcasting groups, it sounds like this was a project that involved combining a radio presence, a television presence. And I imagine that that could get pretty complicated. So Matt, I'd like to bring you into the conversation as well here. At the outset, as you were planning out this project, what did it look like from your perspective to look at these multiple properties with huge backlogs? What was it about this that stood out to you that made you think this needs to be a rebuild, relaunch instead of an evolution? So it was initially two separate sites. We had some discussion early on about possibly combining them into the existing site as it was to see if there's any value in doing that. And due to the complexity of the data and the fact that it was two separate WordPress sites, it just wasn't a feasible idea to do it. And in addition to that, we wanted to make sure we provided WAB with a like a good, consistent authoring experience, which at the time they were kind of missing. So it just made sense to come up with a fresh build. That way we could meet all the needs of everybody involved. I think, too, just to add to that, when we started doing a little bit of discovery on the current WordPress site, it was a bit of a Frankenstein because we've seen multiple developers over you know the span of 10 years or so building out different components and different pieces of the site and you know new features that were added that are no longer used and there were parts of the site that the current staff had no idea what it did <laughs> so, you know it was like and they were kind of afraid to touch certain things because they're like if we do this it might break the whole site so um, you know at that point you kind of have to decide you know it's probably not worth keeping the old site. And are there other heuristics or shorthands that you've used perhaps with other projects that give you an indication of when you have to throw away the old thing as compared to building on it and iterating on it? You know, so much of the discourse around digital projects these days leans on the idea of agile methodologies and iteration. And then there's also this long history of doing these projects as waterfall rebuilds. How do you decide between those two paths? I mean, it's about level of effort. So, you know, if we could achieve what we were trying to achieve by reusing the old site in a more efficient way, we certainly would have done that. But when you look at one of the things that really kind of drove this was that they were combining two brands into one. So they have a television brand that was branded PBA and a radio brand, WABE. And in the market here in Atlanta, the radio brand was much more well known than the television brand. So they wanted to fold the TV brand under the radio brand, which meant that you know we couldn't just shove all this TV content into a radio site. <laughs> we really had to kind of rethink not just the UX, but the architecture of the whole site. Because you know suddenly we have more than just streaming radio and podcasts to support. We've got all kinds of television episodes. I think, how many episodes do you think there are, Matt? Like tens of thousands? <laughs> Uh, yeah, right now, I think WAB has, I think it's over 800 television shows they pull in data for. And then I think it's now well above, I think, 80,000 episodes. <laughs> that, that is a, a lot to keep track of. And 
as you're at the beginning of a project that big, what did you do to set a clear vision of success? I imagine you could get overwhelmed with that complexity, but in that early phase, it must have been helpful to have some articulation of what the end state or, or what success looks like. What was that for you? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about it from the business and strategy side, and then Matt might have a perspective on the technology side. But from the business point of view, you know, like I said, the main driver was combining these brands and not impacting either one negatively. So, you know, we really had to understand the WAB brand in particular because it really got the majority of traffic. And so we, we kind of had to figure out how users are currently using the site by looking at analytics and really understanding where their traffic is going, what their day-to-day looks like, how people are moving through the site, and then make sure that, number one, we didn't disrupt that in any way. Obviously, we want to improve on that, but we didn't want to disrupt it. So... You know, success for us is, and you know, this just launched four or five months ago, so we're still measuring things. But for us, success was to bring that television brand into the WABE radio brand and create a seamless media experience where you can come in and watch television shows, or you can listen to live streaming radio, you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to audio clips, you can read news stories, all in one seamless experience that looks like it all belongs together. So that's really what we were trying to go for on the business and strategy side. Now, Matt, I don't know if you have any perspective on kind of the build side of it. Well, you know, I think that's an interesting question. I think for me, actually what it boils down to, I mean, obviously we need to meet all the requirements we've created and get all the data into the site and make sure everything works correctly. But really, I think the one true measurement is when folks sit down and start to author content and manage the site, if it's easy for them and it makes sense to them, they can make a change to the homepage in a way they want. They can view trending stories on the site and understand what they're looking at. I think that's really a good measure of success on the technical side. Does it work in the way it's intended to without a lot of thought going into what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, I think that's been a challenge that a lot of web developers have under-addressed in recent years, just the value of the comprehensibility of these systems to the people who have to use them day-to-day to update the homepage, to add articles and whatnot. If the people who are living in these systems in their work all day, every day, don't understand it, it's going to turn out bad, I think, in the long run. You hinted a bit as well, Matt, on the sheer volume of data here and content. I wonder what else jumped out towards the beginning of the project as a technical challenge, something that was going to require extra attention? So there were a few things. One, which you mentioned, is the data. There's just so much data that we needed to bring into the site. First of all, there was legacy data. So the existing site had, I think, over 40,000 news stories, had a handful of radio shows and podcast shows and all their episodes. And then additionally, we needed to bring in all of the legacy content from the TV sister site. So we had to make sure we got in all that content and then we had to build some processes in place so that you know we could, at some point, there would be a cutoff between authoring on the current site and then on the new site. So we needed a way to bridge the gap and make sure we brought in any modifications to articles, modifications or new changes that had been made since we last did a data migration. So that was a big challenge. And then separately, we brought in, I jotted them down here, we had a lot of the content on the site is fed through third-party sources. We had two separate types of feeds for podcast episodes and, and podcasts. 
there was a PBS feed driving all of the TV content, uh, which is probably the most complex part of the site. An NPR feed driving a good chunk of the news stories coming into the site every day. Three different feeds for the radio and TV schedules. So folks want to come and look and see what's coming up tomorrow in a week on their station or on PBS. They could see that. We had to use Google Analytics to identify trending stories and then yeah, and then the legacy data, which I mentioned. So it was it was a real challenge just to not to get all the data in, but to make sure we identified all these different sources and accounted for them correctly. And Dave, with that much volume of information for you and that user experience and design mindset, you know, it's one thing to get all of that information into the database, into WordPress, but how do you think about making that information surfaceable, usable, findable for the people who are coming to the website? Yeah, I mean, we've got some great advanced search and filtering going on on the site. So, you know, when you click on search in the nav, it's not just the search bar, it already surfaces kind of the most popular content that people are looking for within various categories, so news and radio and television. And as you type, it actually surfaces content within those categories in that same flyover. So you don't even have to go to the search results page. But if you do go to the search results page, you've got all this advanced filtering that you can do so that you can really narrow it down by content type and you know keyword or whatever. It all happens live in line, so you're not constantly reloading pages. So we have lots of filtering across the site to be able to find the television content or radio or news content that you're looking for. The other thing I would probably mention in terms of you know something that was a challenge that we had to work through was the audio player. So we have a live streaming audio player that is not just a live streaming audio player. It does other things too. It basically handles any audio on the site at all. And it's persistent. So it sits at the top of the site. You can listen live. If you're listening live and you hit an audio clip, it'll stop the live stream and one source for audio on the site. And we have clips all over the site. And just to be able to make that persistent as the user moves through the site so that that stream never stops was a big challenge. You know, When you start thinking about tracking and Google Analytics and how are you tracking users as they move through the site and how are you loading content kind of dynamically as you move through the site, you always have to think back to this audio player and what effect it's going to have on that. <laughs> that sounds like a huge technical challenge. I remember working on those sorts of things many years ago, and <laughs> it seemed nearly impossible to do that and like not break the back button, not break links, and it's incredible that it's come together so well now. Jumping ahead in the chronology here, this was a challenging project at the outset. There were plenty of technical challenges along the way. What does it look like now in the relationship between If Then and WABE for ongoing work? How do you make that jump from this was a big waterfall-ish project to now we're in an ongoing, healthy, steady state with a new good website? Yeah, so I mean, we've got a real partnership with WABE. We're, as a company, we don't launch a site and say, you know, okay, we're done. Good luck. See ya. <laughs> we built the site. We understand the site better than anybody. You know, we're there to support them, especially in those days after launch, the, those first few months where they're trying to, you know, make sure everything's working properly and everything can be authored properly and they, they don't have any questions. And then kind of once you get past that launch period, we start looking at new feature development. So there's always some new features that we're working on with them that we're partnering with them on. Some of them are just you know simply adding plugins. Others are building kind of custom development for the site to support them as they grow. And 
they're looking to do a lot more original programming than what they used to do. So that original programming means they're producing a lot more content, a lot more material around individual shows. So we've got to figure out, you know, how can we add that content, even more content into the site in a way that could be found and make sense to users. So that's really kind of the stage that we're in right now. We're adding a number of new features to the site. And Matt, for you, what does it look like making that jump from the large project for staffing, Matt, where in my own career, these sorts of transitions were difficult because it could mean the coming and going of people who may not have any understanding of how that audio player or any other thing on the site works. Oh, well, great question. So we do typically keep like a core team on a project. So folks who have worked on it before, if they can, they'll, they'll continue to work on it past the initial launch phase. But we try very hard as a group of developers to document, document, document. Whether it's an individual component we've built, all the details from you know all the data it takes to make it work, or if there are any certain peculiarities about the project, we have lots of readme files throughout our code base so that anybody new coming in can spend some time in addition to you know actually talking to the developers to get information. But it's good to have that paper trail because even the folks who work on big projects like this, we sometimes forget why we chose to do things the way we did. So it's a big help. Yeah, it, it sounds like you end up you know, really forming a team that goes across the if-then employees and your clients' employees that it to some degree becomes one cohesive you know, website team. And that rhymes a lot with what we like to say at Pantheon, that website operations is a team sport. So I'm curious for you, Dave, what makes Matt a good teammate? Like if you're planning out a a project and you need a good technical leader, what is it about Matt that makes you want to have him on the project with you? Yeah, I love working with Matt. There are many things. I think he's very thoughtful. He takes a minute to figure out what the problem is and try to look at options and solutions and present the best solution in a way that everyone can understand, you know, be it a novice or, you know, talk directly to the client. He's always very calm if you haven't noticed on this call. So I've never seen him freak out or yell. And he brings solutions. So he's solution oriented. He's not a block. He's not a roadblock with things. If presented with a problem, his answer is not, we can't do that. It's, let me look at ways that we can do that. And let's explore potential options for that. And I mean, I think that's what makes a great relationship when you look at things like strategy and UX and design and development, you know, and if then we, all of our disciplines work together. And when I put together, say, UX for something, I expect developers to question it. <laughs> like, I welcome it. Like, tell me what's wrong. What haven't I thought about? And that's what we're open to here is like everyone has a voice, everyone's respected. And that's really what makes a great team. Yeah. And I think I have noticed that Matt seems pretty level headed. <laughs> we may need to do a follow up episode to find what sort of technical topics could push Matt's buttons. <laughs> but, but Matt, I've got you know, the same question for you. What makes Dave a good coworker? to work with on these types of projects? Well, I think aside from his knowledge and skills he has and his ability to communicate between technical folks and the client and all the people in between and 
he's also very level-headed. And, um, and, you know, there are times in a project, especially as we're getting closer to a deadline where people can get very stressed out. Dave is, at least as far as I can tell, I'm not one of those folks. Uh, he's able to work with everyone and he listens very well to everyone. He's very good at collaborating and finding solutions with everybody involved. And I just love working with Dave. It takes a lot of stress off of me when I know that at the head of the project is someone who not only knows what they're talking about, but has a lot of skills to navigate through the project itself, especially as we come to the end of the project. That sounds like a great teammate, and it sounds like If Then is a great team to be a part of. We'll wrap it up there. Matt McFarland, Dave Rickett, thank you so much for joining me here on We Make the Internet. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Make the Internet. If you like today's show, please give us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, and even if you didn't like today's show, you can still leave a review saying why. Feedback is important here on the internet. It's how we get better. Special thanks to Jeff Duba, Jeff Large, and Maggie Fisher of Come Alive Creative for podcast production work. You can find them at comealivecreative.com. I'm your host, Steve Persh. You can find me just about everywhere online as at Steve Vector. See you on the internet.